0: Welcome to this week's edition of Stock Doc. You hear a lot about 5G technology and what it promises to deliver in terms of access to telecommunications and the cloud. 5G's build is the you know the next horizon for digital infrastructure. And, uh, and certainly there's a lot of anticipation around Australia being 5G ready. But there's an ASX listed company that is well and truly 5G ready. And this is uh, today's guest, 5G Networks, which is the ASX ticker code 5GN. With me in the studio, I have Joe DeMace. Welcome, Joe.
1: Thank you, Nigel.
0: Joe, you've got more than 25 years experience in telecoms. And um, I also know that this is not the first telco company that you've been involved with. I think you've had involvement with as many as three Listed telcos here in Australia is that uh, is that the case?
1: Yeah, that's correct, Nigel. So uh, back in '97, uh, when I was a lot younger than what I am today, uh, I was involved with a United Energy electricity company in uh, the eastern suburbs of Victoria, and they got involved in, in telecommunications, built a company called Uecom, which we basically we rolled out fibre fibre optic cables on the power lines of their infrastructure, and uh, in, started off in Victoria and then moved to other states, and we actually Provided the fibre to Vodafone when they first come to Australia to connect up all their mobile phone towers. So uh, that we did did that listing in in late two thousand, just before the uh, the tech bubble crashed. But um, it was a really exciting time and 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 learned a lot from that uh, from that business.
0: Yeah, I, I I remember it well. I was working in capital markets at the time, and uh, there was a, a lot of uh, interesting um, stuff happening and very heady valuations for companies in those days. Um, but you've gone on to make investments in other uh, listed telcos as well, is that right?
1: Yeah, I guess um, what, what we learned from from UECOM uh, fibre was expensive to to roll out, um, expensive to ke- connect customers up because you've got to do civils works to, to get into the buildings, uh, on top of rolling out the, the infrastructure. So moved into a, I guess the, one of the first unlicensed wireless broadband providers in Australia where we used the spectrums that were free, so two point four and Back then it was 5.8 gigahertz spectrum, so we again started in Melbourne, funded that ourselves, and rolled that infrastructure out across uh, across Melbourne. And then we listed that company in 2004. So that company was um, Access Providers (APV). And uh, then we did a number of acquisitions of the, I guess the largest DSL providers that we could we could acquire in Melbourne. And then we acquired the largest provider in. In Sydney, and uh, so similar roll-up strategy to uh, to what we're doing today, as well as you know the focus on the organic growth.
0: So, Joe, fair to say this, this is uh, a, a formula that's um, perhaps well and truly entrenched in your uh, DNA. You've um, certainly had a, a, a proven track record in creating value in the listed telco space over over the last twenty five years. Um, tell us about this latest project, 5G Networks. So when did, uh, when did you start that? And, and look, I think, it, I think it's fair to say that you're one of the largest single shareholders in the group with around 27% holding and collectively with your board and your senior management team. Um, this is a very tightly held stock with about 40% of uh, shares owned by the staff and the board and, and, um, and yourself
1: yeah that's correct yeah 35 to 40% yeah look i mean you know it's um we believe in in what we what we're doing uh and we think this is a great opportunity i guess i started back in in 2016 i'd been consulting to a number of msps and and actually was helping the guys at inspire which is one of our first acquisitions and working working with those guys and i got it back in touch with gary white who i'd worked with at uecom was very good in the sales side of the business and discuss with him, I guess what was happening in the industry, where you know the networks were, you know there was a lot more capability in the networks these days, which then meant there was a lot more movement to to the cloud, and we could see what's happening, the shift with Microsoft and Office 365, uh, and you know where MIT was going. It was all kind of merging into to one service. You know people want their IT solution resolved. They want one person to ring if something goes wrong, not a carrier here if it's networks or you know if it's, a, if it's the local router in the office they just want one person they can ring to resolve that issue so I guess that's the that's the, that's what we offer to our clients is is sort of we own the infrastructure most in most of the infrastructure and we so therefore we can control that and fix that infrastructure and that's you know the really really the proposition that we're offering to those to those clients.
0: So the infrastructure is something we're going to get back to because you um, have been uh, very busy on the acquisition front as well. But um, but let's just try and understand a little bit of the size and scale of your business. So first of all, your your clients are ASX listed, you know, top one hundred ASX companies. You've got some of the second tier banks. Uh, you've also got government agencies, um, and no doubt. You know a plethora of small and medium businesses in there as well, but um, can you just uh, describe the sorts of services that you're that you're providing to um, to these clients?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess the. Uh, 200 staff across 12 offices in Australia. Um, probably 50% of those staff are, are technical resources that might go out to to site to some of our mid-market corporates and do, I guess they you know check on their infrastructure on a weekly basis or or fix something if it goes wrong, provision new new hardware and, and software for those clients. Uh, and then we have some some of our techs are actually embedded in those corporate entities, um, so they work full time for those those clients and. And leverage, I guess, our our resources we've got from a, a platform cloud perspective or a network perspective, if they need it, uh, as, as a part of, you know, managing that client and and dealing with their the sort of day-to-day operational issues that they might have. But we also manage some really, I guess, well-known and, uh, and uh, well-known websites that people see on a daily basis. So it's, that's, you know, these guys might do hot shows where they will have, you know, it might be... Um, an event or ticket sales or or something like that that's going on in their in their business where they're getting a real large amount of demand for a particular product because or service because they're doing a promotion and that means that we need to manage the capacity that's available for their website or their database make sure that that's all working as efficiently as possible because you know you certainly um you hear about in the press if uh, you know if 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 some of these large corporate uh, sites go down and and we're there in the background making sure that they they work efficiently um we own network infrastructure uh, and also we've done a number of acquisitions in the data center space so if it's if it's sort of that cloud or or networking type business then um then that's sort of where it uh, where our real strength is
0: And looking increasingly um, more and more businesses are rely relying on online databases and online webs- websites as they really as the crucible for the transactions in their business um, it, it's not just about keeping a retail store open in a physical sense but um, you know it, it's, it's very much a case that uh, e-commerce is the uh, is the driver for revenues in a lot of businesses and so I can see that there's going to be an increasing demand for you guys. Uh, in terms of keeping these websites alive and, and kicking, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's, um, you know, and it, and it's making sure that we've got, um, you know, plenty of capacity for growth. Um, we build redundancy into everything we do. So we've got major, major points of presence in Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, so, you know, if, a, if an event company is doing, you know, something that's related to Melbourne, they might want to, you know, Move that infrastructure, or or that capa- have more capacity in Melbourne, or or you know might be something in Sydney that they're doing. So they'll need more capacity in Sydney. So we can, you know, our, our systems can can deal with that, and manage that, and um, and certainly we build a lot of redundancy into to what we operate.
0: Look, I've uh, I've been quite impressed at the growth that you've had in revenue and uh, uh, EBIT margin, and and also your cash flow. So. Let me see if I've got this right. You've got a market cap of around fifty-eight, between fifty and sixty million dollars at the moment. Your revenue guidance puts you in excess of fifty million in revenue, and you've got an EBIT margin of in that sort of eight to twelve percent range. So where are you where are you seeing revenues for the next twelve months?
1: Yeah, so uh, our half-year result was $25 million revenue, $3 million EBITDA. So we think we'll be a little bit stronger than that uh, in the second half of the year, which sort of puts us right in that, that guidance range, which we reaffirmed uh, with our half-year results. So uh, I don't think we're really, you know, we're Australian-based, so we're, we're not really impacted by other events that are going on in the, in the world. Certainly, we haven't seen anything. A lot of our gr- revenue is contracted, so... About 75% of our revenue is contracted. The, the really the only variable for us um, is we do a bit of hardware sales. Last year we did 15 million in hardware. Uh, this year for the half we've only done uh, just on five million. So that's I guess it's very a lump very lumpy type of sale. Uh, it's lower margin. We're also trying to move clients to the cloud rather than sell them a server that they'd have on premise, which would be a hardware sale at sort of 10 points of margin. We're trying to move them to a cloud and and buy a a cloud-based solution, which, you know, for us is around 60 points of margin. So it's about shifting those sales guys and their their targets and their commissions so they're focused on those areas. Um, We probably, on our core part of our business, you know, we run at that, you know, 10 to 20% uh, organic growth. So we're always trying to cross-sell and upsell to our existing customer base. A lot of those customers will only buy or currently only buying one one service from us. So we've rolled out Salesforce into the business because it's great visibility, allows us to do some marketing campaigns and there's a fair bit of automation we've done around that that sales process and and driving new annuity revenue. But we're also on the lookout for acquisitions. Um, You know, we want to fill up the spare capacity or infrastructure uh, that we have currently and we know that that will drive, you know, really strong EBITDA growth. Not overly concerned about, the revenue, the revenue will come. We're really focused on what's an acquisition look like that, that's going to fill up our capacity and then drive EBITDA. Um, obviously, will come with with revenue, but um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's, it's so that the, I guess the acquisitions that we've done have been data centers, which have given us that capacity and and uh, we've expanded our cloud capacity. So yeah, they're the, they're the type of
0: acquisitions. So in the in the revenue, are we talking what fifty five to sixty five million in 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 revenue for the um, for next year?
1: Uh, for this financial year, yes, yeah, fifty five to sixty five is the guidance that was put out um, put out last year. That as I get it's a it's a bit of a range, but it depends on those hardware sales whether they yep. whether we whether we get the hardware sale or whether they get you know there's enough budget to, for that hardware to be purchased this year or next year. But I guess it's not. Hardware is not our focus, but it is a big contributor to revenue, but it's also low margin. So, and we've, we've told the guys, the sales guys to focus on the annuity based revenue rather than the the one off hardware sales because you've got to go and get that, you've got to go get that hardware sale every year. Um, and we'd rather, you know, them focusing on a three year annuity based contract because then they can go and get a new annuity based contract next year rather than trying to re sign the same customer again or, or sell them, sell them something else.
0: And, and that transition of moving from the hardware to the cloud-based um, solution is also a contributor to an increase in the eBIT uh, margin as well so. yeah
1: sig- significant increase I mean we tried to um, portray that or give give the investors a little bit of visibility in the in the half year results and some of the uh, some of the, um, the i guess the waterfall graphs that we put out to to you know show a little bit more margin so on our our cloud for argument's sake um you know, our revenue uh, half on half increased by 1.2 and our cogs in that area dropped by 1.1. So, you know, that's a, that's a 2.3 million turnaround for that one product line. Uh, and that's why we, you know, want to do acquisitions and we want to get the sales guys selling services that are into those products that, A, we can turn on really quickly. So data centre, cloud and, and networks, usually we can turn that revenue on quickly. And also they're going to contribute the most amount of um, margin to our, to our business.
0: So, Joe, I want to I want to talk about um, I want to talk about your share registry because you 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 mentioned acquisitions a few times as a as a key element of your business strategy and and I will get to that because I do want to understand some of the acquisitions that you've made more recently. But uh, without going into the acquisitions per se, when I hear a company like yours wanting to do acquisitions, what I'm thinking is that there must be capital raises that um are likely to be part of that um given that the stock is so tightly held and that you've got you know you've, you've got a, a clear market segment you've got traction with existing customers you're turning over 55 65 million in revenue you've got you know a, a strong ebitda margin and i think um you know the, the 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 cash flows and the profitability are going to take care of themselves if you keep with this trajectory. Um, one of the other things about your company is that you've passed that $50 million market cap um, ceiling as well. So, Joe, what's happening out there with institutional investors? Are you starting to get a bit more interest from them? Uh, is the, are they starting to come on board? What, what's going on out there? Uh
1: yeah, so certainly with the last half year results we've had um
0: a lot more interest from
1: um from some of the micro cap investors. I you know, I've probably been doing roadshows to a number of them um, you know, over the last sort of twelve to eighteen months just so they can understand our story and, and what we're doing so that uh, when we when and if we need to do a capital raise we can um you know we can we can we can talk to those guys and, and they understand our, our story and where we're going. So I think there's a number of them out there who are watching us. Um we did get a uh, a, um, a small a small micro cap fund come on board and, and took a, uh, a decent stake recently. So um, so that was good. But it's it's I think there's um, look there's a number of micro caps out there. It's a competitive space. I think once we get to that sort of hundred million, hundred and fifty million market cap, um, all that institutional investment activity becomes a bit easier. But they also want to watch you for a while, I think, and and you know make sure that the, the track record is real and that. Um, you know that you keep keep delivering on the acquisitions and also the growth. Um, with our, you know, where we're at the moment from capital raise, we've done outside of the IPO. We've done two capital raises. Um, the last acquisition we did, we funded out of our operating cash flow. So uh, we've got a really good relationship with the CBA, um, and we've had that uh, facility debt facility with those guys in place for a while now. So I think they're sort of there's an opportunity there to, to renegotiate some terms and maybe expand that facility. So, um, you know, it's you're not necessarily going back to the capital markets every time you do an acquisition. Mm. Um, you know, if, if if we're doing an acquisition where we want the the existing owners or operators to stay in the business, then we'll often ask them to take sort of, you know, 50% of the uh, of, of the acquisition price in in, in script uh, and lock them into a sort of 12 or 20-month, 20 24-month escrow period. And then, you know, then you can kind of fund the, the rest with, you know, some working capital or, or some debt or, you know, if the market's in the right, um, you know, if the market's in the right place and, and we've got the right valuation, then we'd go back to the market and look for some some, some additional equity. But it's, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's going
0: well at the moment. So your debt facility with CBA, that's, is that $2 million?
1: Uh, the, we've got a number of parts to that. So there's, um. There's some bank guarantees, which is a couple of million bucks. Uh, and then there's some lease facilities, about a million. And then, and then we've got a, another sort of three to four million facility. We've got about two and a half million of that's untapped at the moment. So um, we've got a bit of headroom in that, in that facility. Mm. It's about six in total.
0: Mm. So using some debt and some script-based acquisitions, you could be going out there and doing some acquisitions without having to go into capital markets to, uh, to raise again
1: yeah that's correct so we often you know most of the time you'll pay between three to four times EBITDA of a uh from an acquisition price so you know you bolt on something that's doing two million of um two million of EBITDA and um you know that might cost you you know six million or, or eight million so you're kind of looking at you know uh, three to four million in script and you know three to four million in cash
0: yep got it all right Joe um The acquisitions that you've done more recently, you bought a a big data centre in Sydney. Um, What else have you been acquiring? And more importantly, why are you acquiring these businesses and what strategic value do they bring to 5G networks?
1: Yeah, so just under two years ago, we did the acquisition of the direct business of Innerbox, which was Hostworks and Anatel, so hosting and uh, and really an MIT networking uh, type business. The HostWorks business was was buying a lot of uh, capacity from other data centres. So we were spending in the range of $4 million a year uh, in in data centres. Uh, I've known through the Inspire guys of, of the Melbourne Data Centre, the first data centre we purchased about this time last year. And basically it was privately owned. It was a good data centre. It's about, you know, 30 40% full. But, you know, they really, you know, they didn't have the catalyst or... Or the sales staff to i guess grow that data center so we did that acquisition knowing that we'd be able to put a number of racks into into that data center and and get some uh, and get some cost savings uh, and then and that's cbd based all our fiber that we've built into uh into melbourne cbd goes back into that data center so you know we can easily connect up a, a customer in collins street move their servers into our data centre. They've still got high-speed access to their servers and to the internet. Uh, we did the same thing in Sydney. So we acquired a data centre uh, late last year in Piermont just out of the CBD, and we've got plans to roll out fibre into the CBD of um, Sydney, pick up all our – connect up all our customers on those fibre fibre rings and and then, again, transition their – any servers or applications they want back into that, that data centre. And then we've also – just um recently completed an acquisition in North Sydney, so for us Sydney we kind of see there's two cbds the north and the uh and the cbd and we'll roll out fiber to our customers in North Sydney as well and plug them back into uh, into that data center there and it gives clients diversity so they might want to run their their primary um, hosting cloud environment in in Pyrmont, and they might want to have a redundant backup site in in North Sydney or they might want to have that backup site in um in Melbourne or, or in Adelaide. So multiple data centers that we own and operate, uh, we can utilize ourselves. We've got other clients who are taking up capacity. We've, um, we've expanded, I guess, our sales team to sell more um, through partners and, and, and wholesale. So to other telcos or, or other managed service providers who want, might want cloud capacity or data center capacity. So we're seeing a bit of a strong take up in, in that space. Um, and again, it's just it's filling up our excess capacity that we have on our infrastructure. Um, that's going to drive EBITDA.
0: Well, Joe DeMace, thanks very much for taking the time to talk us through 5G networks. I mean, this is uh, certainly a growing company and uh, heading towards uh, certainly EBITDA profitable and heading towards full profitability. Look, I think you're uh, making all the right noises out there and I wish you all the very best in replicating this story one more time given that you have done... uh, a few of these uh, listings previously. There's a great opportunity for investors to start to look at uh, developments that are happening in this 5G space, and and really, the, you know, the rollout of this um, digital infrastructure, which is underscoring so many corporate enterprises here in Australia. Joe, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us on uh, on the podcast today. Thanks for your time, Nigel.